0: So I was getting my Master's of Science in Accounting over at Boston College when this happened and it was actually at the end of my week of midterms so super stressed whatever I guess but instead of lying in bed all day like I wanted to I went to the gym Friday morning and I went right for the squat rack it was just 135 pounds one plate on each end of the bar. And it was my ninth squat. You know, the first eight went down and up perfectly smooth. I felt super light, didn't feel like a workout at all. And then the ninth one went down super smooth as well. But when I came up, my brain exploded. Something burst in the front of my head, exploded in the front of my head. my first thought was, oh, that's weird. Why would there be water in my head? Which, you know, looking back is kind of a stupid thought. So next I re-racked the bar and then I picked up my Gatorade water bottle. And then I, I thought, oh, well, I mean, that's kind of weird, but so I should like go sit down for a few minutes and that'll be fine. I'll get back up, finish my workout. And there was a bench across the gym, all the way across the gym. So I started walking across the gym. And for the first 20 feet, it was okay. I felt fine as far as I can remember. And then all of a sudden, I noticed that my toes kept catching. Like Every time I tried to step, my toes wouldn't pick up all the way. And so I, I tripped over myself every step. And then my arm, my left arm, was hanging there and I couldn't move it. The only way I could move it was if I used my right hand to move it. So I wobbled over to the bench on the other side of the gym, which I did get to. I was just so confused. Like, you know, I'm in accounting, I don't have any medical <laughs> or like <laughs> experience at all. So like, why is the right half of my body is working just fine? Why, like, why is the left half of my body not working fine? Like, what is going on? And so I was very scared. I needed help. And I'm somebody who, at the time, really never needed help. Kind of with anything and so that was just a very new thing for me to experience so I got to the bench and I looked out across the gym hoping that somebody could help me but I couldn't speak I couldn't get any words out so I was sitting there and then all of a sudden I fell over and I kept trying to sit back up and I couldn't I just I couldn't, and I have this uh, this funny sideways memory of a woman coming over to me, and she just said, "Hey, are you okay?" And I said, "No." She said, "Do you need help?" Yes. And so she called an ambulance. My last memory before slipping into a coma is the conversation I was having with the EMT in an ambulance. And I just, you know, I don't remember my exact words, but they were something along the lines of, I'm really scared. Like, this this is really, really bad. And I remember him saying, no, it's okay, you're going to be okay. And I didn't believe him. I truly didn't believe him. And that's the last thing I remember. The next memory I have, looking up at my dad, and it seemed like he was yelling at me, squeeze my hand with your right hand, Sean squeeze my hand with your right hand, Sean. And I did. I had honestly the perfect upbringing. Both of my parents ...are the best parents I could have ever imagined or wanted. I never knew any type of suffering, which, you know, was great growing up. But that did make it really hard for me in the hospital. Because I knew nothing of suffering. And so it sort of added to my denial... And I've never lacked that much control. Such a basic human thing. So I think that was very disheartening, honestly. And kind of just overall destructive to my psyche. Lying in a hospital bed, unable to move, unable to go to the bathroom. Like, first off, I don't even know what's going on. I have no clue what in the world this is. Well, you know, I had plans. I'm half a CPA right now. I have a job starting this fall. I'm supposed to finish my masters in two months. And well, okay, that's all down the toilet. What is the rest of my life gonna look like? Can I possibly live a life after this? Am I gonna be in a home for the rest of my life? or? In a wheelchair for the rest of my life? Like, I play pickup basketball three times a week. I just dunked two days before this happened for the first time. And now you're telling me I can't walk? It really was that all encompassing feeling of helplessness, but also a very deep hopelessness. the whole time I was, you know, still trying to move my left side and trying to get up. Like, why am I in wherever I am right now and I'm not able to move and I'm not able to speak? Like, what could this possibly be? Like, did I die? Like, what what is this? And the best thing I can think of like it was like i kept trying to move my body out of bed but i was strapped down with invisible straps but i was you know with with all my strength trying to get up all of my strength all of my strength trying to talk and i couldn't talk and I have like a very serious post-traumatic thing about my experience in the hospital because it was like, I can't get out of here. So whenever I do something where, you know, I have to be here for a certain amount of time or I'm in a certain room for a certain amount of time, it's, I do get a little flutter of, ooh, okay, I'm a little bit constrained again. It wasn't like a doctor or anything that came in and told me. It was my family. So my mom, my dad, and my sister, Bridge. And they were all sitting on my bed. And they kind of walked me through what happened. Like, okay, Sean, you were born with an AVM. This arteriovenous malformation and over your 22 years of life it built up pressure and then all of a sudden it burst when you came up on that squat and that's, that's pretty much all I remember of that conversation because then I like kind of freaked out a little bit and kind of didn't know how to process it like what is like again I'm going right back to my future like what does this mean for me so I was in Brigham for three weeks without a skull without a full skull because they you know in surgery they took out a piece of my skull so they could operate and then once they put it back in, three weeks later, they discharged me and sent me to Spalding Rehabilitation Hospital, where I could do my rehab to get walking again, get using my arm again, my left arm again. And I think Brigham denial I wasn't even too denial yet. It felt like a alternate reality like this like this isn't going on. Like, I'm, this is just a long dream. Like, I'm asleep right now. I'll wake up soon. And then... Slowly, over those three weeks, I started to realize that... Oh, maybe this isn't a dream. But I think, finally, when I got to Spalding, and, you know, they started trying to get me to stand pivot. That's the first thing you do, is, you know... they You Put your hand on the cane on the side of your bed Stand up Pivot your body to the side And sit down in the wheelchair So that's the first bit of controlled movement I did And, you know, sort of at that point I was like, oh, okay, maybe something is different And so I started to grieve For my former life So then I went into denial And I have this very very real memory of my occupational therapist giving me a shower because you know I couldn't get myself a shower and so I'm sitting in a shower chair she's giving me a shower and I just I was like you know I'm not here right now this isn't happening and she's Sean Sean she literally had to tell me Sean you are here right now in this hospital right now I am giving you a shower Because you cannot use the left side of your body right now Because you had a hemorrhagic stroke at the gym These are all facts You are here And I was like, no, I'm not here That's not true That's not true I am not here And we actually had that conversation multiple times in my two months there like no this is not here don't tell me what's right and like don't tell me what's going on in my life like this is my life i know what's going on and i know i'm not here right now that's for sure that cracks me up now thinking thinking back on it like uh sean you were in the hospital and you couldn't move out of your body uh you'd think you'd get it that like this was real but no i truly didn't believe that this was happening a week, probably like two weeks afterwards, I'm nowhere near moving my left side at this point. We had maneuvered me to hang my legs over the side of the bed so I could pee into a urinal. And my dad was standing in front of me, so I couldn't walk. I couldn't try to walk. Cause at this point I was like, oh buddy, I can walk. I'm like, what do you mean I can walk? Of course I can walk. So I finished and he went, he turned around for five seconds to go pour it out in the bathroom. And so I took off, you know, fully expecting to walk totally normal, fell instantly obviously because i couldn't use my left side but the fall was in complete slow motion when i'm talking about it right now i can still feel it and i've felt it these last two years and you know as i fell I, i see i see the nurses walking by out the open door i see the floor rapidly approaching and as i'm falling i'm feeling my life and any semblance of control over my destiny like slip through the sieve that is now my hands and when I hit the floor that was the lowest moment of my life the floor is super cold like laminate hospital floor leaning up against like the fake wood paneling on the side of the room (laughs) and and I'm calling to my dad like, dad, please pick me up, come pick me up. And that realization of like, oh wow, like I've been stripped of the right to walk and something I haven't thought about for 20 years. Something that I've taken for granted for 20 years. And so all of a sudden it was like, okay, this is, this is happening. So that was just an awful moment, terrible moment. But when I started to hit bad mental moments going forward throughout my therapy, I would always come back to that moment. And it was kind of like propulsion for me fuel sort of to be like, no, Sean, you're not ever going to be back there again. You're never going to be that hopeless again. You're never going to be that helpless again. I did not sleep a second the entire month of August 2016. Not one second i was up all night every night angrier than i've ever been the deepest seated anger i've ever felt and it was truly it was terrifying i was just every little thing you know i'd snap and so that that was the whole month of august i remember I was on my computer looking at something and I had logged into the wrong account on my computer, so it looked like my computer had erased all of my files, and so I lost it. I'm like screaming, I'm punching walls, I'm just swearing, and it it wasn't... It wasn't that. It was that was making me so mad. It was you know, everything that had been building inside for the last 6 months was finally that allowed me to to vent it out in that moment. But that's actually the moment that snapped me out of it because I just laid a huge punch into the wall and my mom came over to me and Wrap me in this super tight bear hug. And she's, I don't know, like five, six inches shorter than me, so I can look down on her. And so I look down, and she's looking up at me with... I've never seen a more sincere look of love... But also concern. She was just so worried about me, and she just started bawling. Started bawling. And and she just she said, "Sean, stop! Please, you're gonna pop your clip. You're gonna pop your clip. I I don't want you. I can't have you dying right now. Stop." Stop. I can't lose you. Stop. So looking looking down at her and seeing that look, truly seeing that look in her eyes was it that snapped me right out of anger. It's like okay. Okay. And in in that moment it was more of for her. Like, okay, I need to stop being angry. For her. And then, you know, pretty quickly it was like, Okay, Sean, like, you also need to stop for you. This was kind of gradual. But I sort of started to realize that I was wallowing so heavily in my sorrow. And I took a step back and said, you know, Sean... Like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, this is pretty awful. And yeah, you're going through some some really hard stuff right now. But that doesn't mean you have to wallow like this forever. Because what kind of life is that going to be? I had started to see that okay, yeah, the life that I'm leading right now and what my life will be is not, yeah, it's not going to be what I thought it was going to be and what I had always wanted it to be. I wasn't going to, you know, make all this money, be a CPA, play basketball four times a week, what have you, whatever. But I can still have a life, but I'm not even going to have that life. If I stick in this state of wallowing in sorrow. And I said to myself, like... Okay, Sean. Like, you wallowed. Been there, done that. But this is... Your new reality. This is... Happening. And you have to deal with this. Which includes mentally dealing with this and emotionally dealing with this in a way that's productive, not counterproductive. I mean, I'm closer to my friends. We have much deeper and much more meaningful relationships, which is really, really nice. And then to my family. My sister and I have always been so close. We've, you know, like we used to finish each other's sentences. But now we have weekly dinner every Wednesday night, twinner, and we just talk about, you know, whatever's on our minds, and I do the same with my two best friends. It's just such an open environment. You know, everybody's more comfortable. We're, we're all, there's much more love spread more openly. You know, I don't even know why I was stifled a little bit before. You know, it feels so weird now being at this other level of openness and like that feels like the normal now. So I look back and I'm like, oh, well, why weren't you this close with them before? But it truly has deepened and strengthened my relationships. With my parents, too. It's funny. I look... I look forward to seeing them more than I would have previously. You know, I truly didn't know what suffering was before this, but I do now because I've gone through a tremendous amount of suffering, especially the first nine months that was I would call that a very very large amount of suffering so I am a much much more compassionate person much more compassionate person I am I'm just I'm open to everything I wasn't before not that I was super like closed off to everything but I was, you know, writing certain things off, um, not experiencing certain things because, you know, I'm. this is what I'm supposed to do or this is my lane that I'm supposed to stay in. But now I'm open to whatever, and I think that the world would be a lot better place if we were all open and compassionate and understand that, you know, everybody... Everybody's suffering in their own way. Every single person on this planet is suffering in their own way. You know, my PBE, my pre-brain explosion and suffering, was very, very minimal. But, it, you know, I still have my own issues. And so everybody has issues. And so I think if we could all understand that and be open and be compassionate, we could not add more suffering to this world and it would be a lot it would be a much better place to live